1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokah and Azekah in Ephesdamim. Now Saul and the Israelites gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain and on the other side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and cubits <laughs> and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his leg, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and aren't you slaves of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we will fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judea named Jesse, who had eight sons. In those days, Saul the man was already old and advanced in years, and the three eldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eli, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadad, and the third Shammah. David, he was the youngest. The three eldest had followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine Goliath came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Jesse said to his son David, Take for your brothers an epiph of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. And take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See how your brothers fare, and bring some token news from them. Now Saul and David's brothers, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the, command, to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David, he left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. 
and David heard him. All the Israelites, when they saw Goliath, fled from him and were very much afraid. The Israelites said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. The king will greatly enrich the man who kills him and will give him his daughter and make his family free in Israel. David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered David in the same way. So shall it be for the man who kills Goliath. Now David's eldest brother, Eli, heard him talking with the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David. David's older brother said, Why have you come down? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you've come down just to see the battle. And David said, What have I done? It was only a question. He turned away from him towards another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered David again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they were repeated, and they came before Saul, and Saul sent for David. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its very mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Now Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried to walk in vain. For David was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I'm not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi, and put them in his shepherd's bag, in his pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bare in front of him. And when Goliath looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air, to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by swords or by spears, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, O Goliath, into our hand. When this Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck Goliath on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down onto the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. So David ran and stood over Goliath, grasped his own sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him. Then he cut off his head with it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, may be an honor and glory to you, and that you would give us patience to deal with a warm summer day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this week develops on the theme of last week that we need to develop David's religion of the heart. To sum that up really, really quick, the David's religion of the heart is nothing less than a firm conviction, God loves me, personally. We spoke last week about how you can get nowhere with him unless you have God loves me personally as your watch point. That message is the message of the scriptures, of the prophets, and it's the power of the cross. Christ's love for you. It's also the solution to all the commandments. When it was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Well, Christ said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. There is no way to get there unless we rest on God loving us first and give it to who God is, that he is love in almighty eternity for you. So how does that relate to today's story? Many, I think, struggle with making that aim, that God loves me, concrete and firm. It's my core belief that that is probably the weakest point most of us Christians are asked. We just get to the point where God loves me, but if I have to make it personal, we stumble. And that's why I think it's important to take this story that we have pushed so into Sunday school, and most of us are familiar with, and get into some real spiritual application of it and looking at real-life Goliaths. I think Goliath represents spiritually all those forces in our lives that say God does not love you, or that God doesn't love me as much as he says he does. Goliath is bad circumstances, because, I mean, just look at the guy. He's buff, he's tall, he knows how to fight. Us, not so much. I mean, how often do we think circumstances, just if I had time, money, I could be a better Christian? And by proxy, if I had time and money and could be a better Christian, wouldn't God love me more? Wouldn't I experience religion more? So Goliath is circumstances. He's got the deck stacked against us. And we feel when the deck is stacked, God can't love us. Now that'd be bad enough, but Goliath also speaks curses. Goliath is a primitive devil. He speaks out against our sin. 
Goliath doesn't just come out to the Israelites and say, oh yeah, I can beat you. He calls down all sorts of fire on them. But what he's really calling them out on is this sense in Israel that they can't trust God. Now this for us spiritually is that belief that God can't love me until, or God can't love me because. It's that hesitancy to come because of old sins. We have this voice, the Goliath inside us, that says, I can't overcome these things in my life. I cannot stop them. I cannot forget them. They have beat me. And we give in. We're just like those Israelites. We say, well, God has to limit the love he gives me. It's grace just to get what I have. That was the spirit going through that Israelite camp. God had preserved them. They hadn't gotten kicked out to go fight Goliath, but they were locked in fear. Goliath was a physical embodiment of this state of religion that cannot accept God loves me. But in this story, I think there's something else at work too. The Israelites were listening to these inward doubts they had on top of it. They were thinking and looking only to themselves. They were thinking, as we often do, how can I beat Goliath under my own power? How many times do we come to sins, to belief, to doubt, and think, how can I fix this with my own willpower, with my own emotions, my own trying at it? That's why every man was trembling in that Israelite camp, because they knew none of them was enough to beat the giant. So I speak today to anyone who's connected to that so far. Christian lives are often lived in fear because of giants. We learn to fear giants anytime we try to undertake the Christian life. These giants are many different things. They can be fear of hell. They can be spiritual apathy. They could be sin. They could be shame, etc., etc. We all, I included, face these spiritual giants in which we come up to a mountain that just will not move. And our story teaches today how to get the victory, and it's David's attitude, God loves me. Look at his witness. The only thing David says to defend himself in all this is God has delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion. He's going to get me out of this one too. This far I've come by the grace of God. But I think out of all the parts of the David and Goliath story, the most important one is after David has come into Saul and said, I will fight him. Because it's the bit that shows how often the church and Israel fall into fear and doubt. David comes in with his confession, God loves me. But the church in response to David hinders faith and squelches his good beginning. Because see, the church often for you and for me when we are facing these giants, it weighs us down in heavy armor. I think this speaks volumes to religious bubble wrap that Christians tend to put around ourselves. God loves me if I do this. God loves me if I do that. Go through the religious proper channels and it'll all work. See, David, his God loves me is pure. But the church in which he is living, the Israelite in which he is living, they do not have that pure God loves me. Israel is listening to Goliath. That's the whole point of this story. First, they think of the circumstances. We can't beat him. I mean, churches think they need this and that program, but much worse, they take the curses, the things David says bad to heart. 
How many times do we think we have to expunge this or that sin before God will work through us? That just drags David down. And I don't know if this sermon's staying together in one thing, but there's two things I need to get to today. There are two widely held mistaken beliefs in regard to a proper relationship to God and holiness. First, we're like those Israelites who think we have to beat Goliath up on our own. The problem with that is, is we imagine we can only get God's grace after some initial good work. That's that armor they're trying to put on David. We think that we have to make an initial first step before God will take a step towards us. We think if I say I have faith, I start reforming my life, then God will use that kickstart beginning to give us the rest of it. That is just religious bubble wrap in which we try to make ourselves safe from the giant and safe from the real struggle that's going on. Because if we put our faith in that first initial step and then count grace to get it, that first initial step will always be the hindering block. That will always be where your faith ultimately rests is that I chose him first so I could get the grace. You will never overcome Goliath if that is your position. Now the other bit is that armor, that needing to take that first step, that opinion that God will only come to me if I repent is a deep down rejection to what the gospel is always saying and what David's heart is in this situation, and that is God loves you now. See, deep down, the reason we take these initial steps, the reason we go through all these religious whatevers is because we cannot claim that we actually have faith that God would save our souls. We don't actually believe Jesus would save us. We need to have some change, some difference, and then we can fight the Philistine. And that's what Goliath was sitting there telling the Israelites. You need a change in circumstance. You need to get buffer, kid. He's calling out curses. You need to not be who you are. The only way David could have anything was being already delivered. He already trusted God. He was already in the love. Now, the second thing I need to say, and this is just because pastorally I've been dealing with it a lot, a secondary armor that we put our faith in is confession. We think that it's enough to sit there and tell God all the sins that we've ever done, and this is just to be an Israelite sitting in the camp wondering, why can't I beat Goliath? David could have walked around, and every Israelite sitting in that camp would have said, of course I can't beat him. That's what we do when we come up against our sins. I could list the sin, and all the churches in America would say, well, yeah, we can't quite beat that one. And we have these religious systems that we build where we debase ourselves and we bemoan the sins that we've done. And I can tell you, you will get forgiveness for that. You will learn submission. It is a proper thing to do. But that still will always shield you from having to take the positive step of getting out on the field with your Goliath. You can confess sin your whole life and still miss the fact that God loves me, that God is already there available to you. In fact, the opposite attitude, God does not love me, God will not deliver me, is something that festers and sits under confession forever. Because we trust confession, it becomes one of those initial works that we do to then make ourselves acceptable to God. Completely scratching the David and Goliath that I think I might have torn to holes today. 
The best example is when Peter walks on water up to Christ. Peter walks out on the water and he starts to sink. He is coming up to his neck and he is drowning. He does not sit there and say, hey, Jesus, let me make some changes in my life so I will be acceptable to you. Peter does not call out, David, I have sinned in this way or that way. Peter doesn't call out, I have a change of mind or an emotional experience or anything. The only thing David could do when he's sinking in the water is he yells out to Christ, Lord, save me. So if you're fighting a Goliath, you're fighting any of these things in your life, you cannot get past your sins. Do not sit there and trust your repentance. Do not sit there and trust your ability to confess them. Do not trust your ability to beat yourselves up with it. Take them and bring them to Christ and say, Lord, help me. Because you may just find that as I've been preaching this whole time, God already loves you. He is already willing to help you. He is an ever-present help. So if you want to be saved then be saved. You're not going to get yourself saved by dooming yourself on your knees every single day. You're not going to overcome any of these troubles if you're just sitting there avoiding them. You're going to overcome them if you say, Lord, help me. It's been a while since I completely got off track of where I was going on this one. (laughs) So to just sum the whole thing up, and, and to, to cut this out from being a Sunday school thing, Goliath is anything in our lives that says, God doesn't love me and I am not worthy. It's going to be anything that sits there and says, I haven't seen it. It's anything that sits there and says, I'm too big of a sinner to ever come here. But Goliath doesn't not have weapons. His favorite weapons are to put you in a position where you try to wear Saul's armor. That's the struggle we have. So you got Goliath and all the scary things, and the threat is to always wear Saul's armor. David couldn't have tossed a stone in the thing. And we've built all these religious systems in which we wrap ourselves up with good works, with all sorts of other things, and we put our faith in that armor. But if David had walked out in it, that'd have been the end of it. We need this sacred willingness to just shed that junk to come out and face Goliath with nothing other than our trusty, familiar slingshot. But the thing is, that's the only way we can kill him. Because he wasn't killed by the stone. Israel was not delivered by the grand champion. It was delivered by a heart of its King David, and that heart said, God loved me, and it shall not move. So my friends, if you are struggling in your Christian life, Please come and talk to me because I can bet you 99.999% of the time your problem is is you are not firmly convinced that God loves you. And if that is the case, let us do what Peter did. As we find ourselves drifting in the water, cry, Lord, help us. Let us pray. Lord, help us. We... We sometimes do not know what to do, what to say, or any way to move these mountains. We thank you that no matter how much we fail, how much we succeed, that your love for us never changes. We thank you that your desire is to live directly in our hearts. And I pray that you would clear any roadblocks, any hindrances that stop us from getting to that position. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.